think of nose and teeth when I think of you, not ears. Nose and teeth. Hmm. <laughs> Seems like a terrible, terrible horror movie. This summer, nose and teeth. Nom, nom, nom. <laughs> and, then, and then a sneezing sound. This summer, God bless you. <laughs> In hell. Bonjour! It's the Doom to Fail podcast, and that is our new catchphrase. Bonjour! We're, we're trying them out, I think, is what's going on. <laughs> My name is Tim Dobbs, and I fly an F-14 Tomcat, like in Top Gun. Oh, it's so cool. Why did Goose have to die? And with me, as ever, through this crazy thing we call the internet, she is a sentient robot made of cardboard boxes, Catherine Cogart. Beep boop beep boop boop boop. I am a robot. Beep boop beep boop boop. I am Catherine Cogart. Beep boop 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 boop. Beep boop 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 boop. Beep boop beep boop boop. Beep boop beep boop boop boop. It just needs to stop. It should probably be more cardboardy too. Anyway, as regular listeners of this show know, we have a lot of different series, and we try to come up with a good metaphor for how we work through the series every week. But I'm really bad at it. But the point is that we have a lot of series, and we, we uh, move through different series until we get there. This is just worse every week. <laughs> but the series we're talking about this week is uh, one of our favorites. They're all our favorites. This is... What is the name of this series? I don't know what this is. What is the name? I can walk straight the Yes, happy hour with Tim and Catherine. Ready to get happy? Yeah. Hey, Yay. I was sad before, but not anymore. Anyway, happy hour in which we talk about ways of drinking and ways of making things that drink and all the interesting things around that. Specifically, this week, Catherine uh, poked and prodded me and once again convinced me something was interesting. Tell them people what we're talking about this week. We're talking about mead. What happened to it? <laughs> yeah, where did it go? <laughs> It's just like it just died with Beowulf. They buried him with the concept of mead. <laughs> it's true. It's true. But, uh, boy. All right. The first thing I want to get out of the way here was um, I looked for a long time to try to find some mead at the local uh, beverage store. Mm -hmm. And it's probably wasted 20 minutes looking in the beer section because I just assumed it was a beer-like thing. Right. Not true. Right. No, sir. Which is interesting because it's 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 a little more like a wine, but the process to make this stuff kind of like beer. Weird. Weird. So if you listened last month, um, I know Tim listened last month because he was talking, so I hope he was also listening. Maybe, Tim, you remember how easy beer was to make? It's not too hard. I mean, that's why it's one of the older beverages. Exactly. Mead is actually even easier and probably even older. 
I think that's cool. That is cool. I would not have thought of that. Again, what happened to Mead? Where has it gone? <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> yeah, we laid out in our beer podcast how, you know, beer is kind of has its roots in the deepest uh, uh, parts of civilization. And then wine kind of came after that and opened up some sort of regional trade and things like this. And then liquor went all the way to, you know, globalism. I mean, it's it's a loose metaphor, but it right. works. Right. And meat isn't even in that. I had no, like, conceptualization <laughs> of... It gets lost in the flow, and we'll see exactly where it gets lost. Coming up. Stay tuned. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. So. Did we say already how the process to make meat is more or less identical to the process for beer? Pretty much. Except we're going to switch up two things. First of all... One. Instead of barley or wheat or whatever we're using... We are going to use uh, pure honey or honey with grain. Cool. This is why mead is also called honey wine. Mm. See, if they called it that, I would have known where to get it in the beverage store. And this has mm-hmm. two effects. First of all, it makes a sweeter drink. Yeah. And that's obvious because honey just has more sugar than the grain. But it's also much more alcoholic, right? And can you guess why that is, Tim, without looking at the outline cheater? Uh, looking up and to the right... Um, it's more alcoholic. I mean, basically because there's more sugar, right? Exactly. That's because exactly it. Because if we do our little equation, mm-hmm. we know that sugar, uh, with yeast included, mm-hmm. goes to alcohol. Right. And carbon dioxide. Right. Because the <laughs> yeast, which are in organisms, are eating the, the sugar and they're pooping out ethanol. You and your poop. <laughs> there's a phrase I didn't think I'd say today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and I think also this to to sort of turn this back around about why it's sweeter is that so the thing that limits uh, uh, alcohol content in most alcoholic drinks is actually the yeast tolerance to alcohol. So yeast dies when you get to a certain percent alcohol just because it's too alcoholic. Uh, right. You wouldn't want to sit around in your poop either, and so. So what'll happen with the the with grain? There's sugar in grain. Um, sometimes it needs to be broken down into a different form, but it's there. Whereas with honey, I mean, there's just so much sugar because it's pretty right. much just sugar. I'm not sure what honey is. It's just sucrose, right? It's just mm-hmm. like table sugar, but in a interesting different form. It's just sucrose, it's, and um, sure. bees metabolize the sucrose into glucose and fructose. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Which are other kinds of sugar. But, but so the point is that there's just so much sugar there that the yeast are going to die before they even get to consume all the sugar. And so we get a, a more alcoholic drink that is also sweeter because there's still leftover sugar. Yeah? Yeah. The other thing that we change when we're making mead instead of beer is instead of hops, we can add spices or fruit, even though sometimes we'll still add hops anyway. But this is usually depending on the region you're in you'll add something different to it hops grapes that makes sense yeah the local uh the local cornucopia exactly yeah and um obviously hops will make the drink more bitter while spices and fruits will like give it a twist or give it a particular flavor so let's talk about this for a second tim we've been comparing it to beer a lot um so those are the things that make it different from beer but I think there's some, like, cultural similarities here. I mean, obviously, we have the same process, but there's also this element of regionalism with it when you're adding in hops versus spices or fruits. And there's also 
I mean, and this is more modern, this level of like low-key connoisseurship. So you're talking about the difference between, let's say, people who are wine tasting and, you know, talking big flowery language about blah, 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 versus a guy who just appreciates a real good microbrew. Yeah. Or perhaps a real good mead. Exactly. I think it's the same thing. Hmm. I could buy that. Here, here's an interesting twist. Um, since, well, I guess the question is, I don't know how much, how much does honey really vary? I think it does. But so much of beer is about sort of uh, the process of the brewing. Whereas it sounds like mead is very much about the flavoring. I would, I would imagine. I mean, I know honey varies. I, I've had amazing honey and just so-so honey. But mm -hmm. I, I feel like it, it kind of seems like what would make mead interesting would be how you flavor it at the end. Right. What do you think? Um, yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. So, Tim, you mentioned that you have some mead with you. I also have some mead. Let's, let's exchange meats. Let's tell each other what we got here. Uh, exchange meads. Jeez, I barely know you. Um, oh, that's the word. That's like a dad joke. Yeah, that's Except pretty bad, gross. Tim. Don't don't take it. Just I I, I would formally request that it's edited out. You know you've forever sealed its fate now. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I bought a mead called Chaucer's Mead, named after the Middle English writer. Uh, I think they're trying to evoke what we're talking about. How mead disappeared, and. They're trying to evoke the time period in which it is uh, supposedly popular. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. It's an elegant wine made from 100% pure honey. So it's honey wine? Yes. That is made how it is described. from honey. Okay. So there's some people say there's a difference between honey wine and mead in that if you have wine and then you add honey to it, then that's honey wine. Hmm. Any, any clues? Well, so, yeah, there were actually, there were two meads available, and one was uh it looked to me like it was brewed from a mixture of honey and grapes so to me that would be a honey wine okay whereas this is a hundred percent pure honey oh, so good. my understanding of the process would be they mixed in some honey with some water threw some yeast in and flavored it at the end whereas the other one kind of sounded more like it was like they made wine and somewhere in the brewing process threw in some honey yes i'm looking it up so it's a uh, chaucer's mead Yes, ma'am. There's a picture of a horse with, like, a damsel and a knight on it. Yeah, and she's <laughs> holding a goblet. I just don't feel like riding a horse is the time you would drink mead from a golden goblet. <laughs> uh, no, I don't either, actually. Uh, uh, what do I know? Whatever. Um, it says that there's it, the honey that they used is composed of a blend of three types of honey. Alfalfa, sage, and orange blossom. Huh. <laughs> On the back of the wine, it just says orange, sage, and other fine honeys. <laughs> I don't <laughs> they think... just didn't want to throw an alfalfa. It doesn't have a good reputation, I guess. It it doesn't really sound sexy. I think that's what it is. I'm into alfalfa, but whatever. I mean, whatever. Would you put it in I don't a have perfume? to take this. Alfalfa. Uh, no, but I would put it on a salad. Alfalfa by Tim. <laughs> I would wear that. It'd be like kind of earthy, um, but not like not like unpleasantly so, but just kind of like, Ugh. all right, solid. Uh, it wouldn't be overly floral, I guess is what I'm getting at. Okay. Well, I'm glad mm -hmm. we have that settled. So 
the mead that I have is uh, from Mace Meadworks, and it's their first, their very first batch of mead. So they just opened, and uh, it's described. This is er, a, a place in Seattle. Yeah, it's uh, around Seattle type of thing. Hmm. So it's fermented from honey foraged from wildflowers in the Rose Gulch, a small ravine home to a creek that nourishes black locust trees, star thistle, bachelor's button, and hawthorn bushes that reside there. As less than 0.5% of residual sugar, it is one of the driest meads ever produced, hiding none of the subtle aromatics and complex acidity of the wildflowers from which honey was sourced. It pairs well with aged goat's cheese, mild Ugh. salamis, or fresh seafood. Also makes Pretty a good base for like cocktails. Hmm. Oh, yeah. So obviously, uh, something that mead borrows from wine and not beer is overly flowerly descriptions. <laughs> Yeah. That's intense. Although I like uh, interesting about the residual sugar because that uh, that speaks against what I said about how the yeast don't aren't able to consume all the sugar. In this particular made you purchased, they are. Hmm. Let's see. Well, I did try their other one. It's a semi semi sweet mead. I think they're definitely going for like a drier thing. I can read you about that too. Interested? That's fine. We're gonna run out of time real thick, okay. real fast. Okay. Let's not do that then. Anyhow, um, do you want to take a break? Uh, yes, Catherine and I are going to uh, give these meads a shot, see what we think, and we'll be back momentarily on Doom to Fail. the doom to fail podcast it's Catherine and tim talking about mead where did it go that's the subtitle for this episode and we're just gonna crack into some of our mead so you excited i'm really excited cool so to refresh refresh the listener's memory after the 10 second break we just took uh you have an ultra dry mead and i have one of two that they sold at the store i was at uh how are you drinking yours i was i'm trying to i couldn't decide well, okay, so I'm cheating because I, like you, am in the process of a move, and so everything that I have is packed, so I'm going straight from the bottle here. Nice. We, we should apologize, by the way, if either of our uh, voices are echoey, uh, you should know that we're both in pretty empty rooms. <laughs> it's true. Doom to Fail podcast coming you from an empty room near you. <laughs> I like this. I, I would actually like to push the concept that we always record in empty white rooms. <laughs> it's the only way. Well, so temperature-wise, what's going on on your side? It's it's chilled. I've chilled uh, mine. I see. Yeah, I, I I went to chill mine because I thought, well, it's it looks like white wine, so I should chill it. But then I was thinking, well, historically, it it would be lukewarm, right? So maybe we should get into that okay. and why it would be lukewarm historically. Well, they didn't have refrigerators. It's just like you're you're immune to leading questions. <laughs> That's my superpower. 
boy, that's that's not bad actually. <laughs> that'll that'll actually get you pretty far in life. I mean, interview wise and and negotiation wise. Alrighty. Um. So, like we said before, the answer to Tim that Tim is looking for is that mead just sort of happens where there's honey. And so it's not going to be refrigerated because honey isn't refrigerated when it's made. I don't think so. So um, let's bring this. Although I wouldn't put it past bees. They're pretty impressive. Yeah. Little air conditioning systems. Let's let's break this down. (laughs) Keeping it together. (laughs) Let's tighten this thing up. Okay. So, yes. So wild yeast, which, I mean, gosh. Microbiology is so crazy because I would never think of just, ah, there's crazy yeast that just floats around in the air. Little tiny microbes. But there is. And it's naturally drawn to beehives. Or at least if it lands on beehives, it will flourish because that's where uh, it's it's got sugar, right? That makes sense. No, that makes perfect sense. And so (laughs) let's go back to early Africa. Two... uh, 20,000 years ago, not unlike the number of leagues under the sea uh, that Captain Nemo was. I'm getting off track. These uh, bees were living inside trees, and there were a bunch of yeast that just kind of grew up in there, I guess. That's weird. It's not like... I would assume that the yeast would somehow cause like a, a collapse of the, the beehive, but I guess not. No. Wait, why would the... Why would the bees cause the collapse of the beehive? Uh, I meant the yeast. I don't know oh, which thing I actually they said. they do. But yeah. No, they do. Oh. That's a reason that, I mean, beehives die. One of many. Like a yeast infestation. So yeast comes in, eats all the sugar and the honey, and then the bees are just SOL, and they all go, meh, guess we'll die now. I mean, it's, you know, like any other relationship. It's sort of an arms race, right? A genetic arms race. Yeah, that's how I handle my personal relationship. That's actually why... Yeah, that's actually why honey is so thick, because before yeast developed to survive in honey, they couldn't before. So hives with thicker honey survived. That's right, because honey is actually antibacterial because it has such a low water content that it's very difficult for microbes to survive in there. I read this somewhere once. It's all coming coming together. Man, I don't know why I'm so fascinated with bees and honey, but... I just want to take a break here and say that my Maceworks mead is delicious. It's very dry and good. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm actually. I don't know. I'm kind of halfway between this Chaucer mead. It's. It's not bad. I started with it chilled, and then it's kind of coming up to lukewarm right now. And they're both. eh, It's a little syrupy. Um, I think I need a drier mead. Exactly, because it tastes pretty good. I think I'd like it if it was chilled a little more on a nice hot uh, Central Valley day like today. Yes, or a nice hot Seattle day. (laughs) What's the temperature up there? Uh, I don't know. It's it's very warm, though. Let me actually look this up. How hot is it today? 73? Dear Siri. Ugh. You know what? What? You know what? Uh, yes. It's 77. I know that what it's not <laughs> i'm really warm today i'm just saying it's like 100 degrees here <laughs> and you're i'm like it could be worse you're making our listeners in greenland feel really bad about themselves yeah well uh 
believe it or not, I my sympathies lie with the cold dwelling people as a native <laughs> New Englander. Ugh. Ugh. So, <laughs> listen, we're obviously both sick of each other and totally unable to hold on to this this thread. So I think we'll be back in a moment on the Tube to Fail podcast. <laughs> Like we're kind of gonna be on track here. I can't make any promises, but it's the Doom to Fail podcast, and we're talking about mead. And when we last left off, we were in early Africa, uh, many many moons ago, and yeast were invading bee colonies and causing all-out war. Right? Bee versus yeast. Be there, summer 2012. Wait, uh, uh shoot, what would you call this? The uh. The jive in the hive. Ooh, the... that's pretty. I'm, I'm not going to do better than no, that. No, so you're not. Try. That's great. <laughs> okay. Uh, here's a here's here's an action item for listeners. Someone needs to come in with the trash talk that the yeast would give uh, before the fight, and then the trash talk that the bees would give before the fight. <laughs> yeah, that's that's great. a formal request. That's wonderful. Email us doomtofailpodcast at gmail dot com. Awesome. All right. All right. So, in early Africa, 20,000 years ago, we have these bees and these yeasts, and we have also have elephants, so who are coming by and eating branches or whatever, so they'll break off a branch or something, and they'll expose it to the elements. I mean, yeah, okay. Right? And then you have the rainy season, so the rain will come down, and so these, these bees' nests will sort of fill with water. Right, because right? they've been exposed by elephants. Right. So we have water, we have honey... And we have yeast, and give it some time, and that's exactly how you make mead. Bada bing. Bada bing. Boom. Boom. But I think it's weird that, like, foragers, as they were walking by, were like, oh, I'm going to drink this. It has dead bees in it. <laughs> well, obviously, you've never been a forager. I suppose so. I've never been a forager. Well, and also, you know, I guess I, I haven't put a lot of thought into it, but... If if you are sort of a wandering person and you're nowhere near a body of water, this is like that's literally how you get water, right? Like, uh, oh, yeah. that collected in that leaf or in that little bowl in the rock or in that tree. That's true. Or well, in that dead bee's nest. This is a good point. Okay, I could see how it happens, and then they got really buzzed off of it. That's delightful. Yeah. So that's how mead is born, and from there, mead sort of grows and expands. It eventually becomes well known in India, China, and Europe, especially. Um, Makes its way around. We know that it's the preferred drink um, in Greece's golden years, so I think that's really cool. And by golden years, I don't mean senior citizen years. I mean, like, the age of gold for Greece. It can be both sometimes. <laughs> Look at Betty White. <laughs> that's true. Go yeah. for it. Go, go, Betty White. You're great. Uh, 
So, so the question that I have then is, it sounds like it's a pretty global thing, and it, it started in Africa, so why do I think it has something to do with Beowulf? So here's the thing. It mean became, like, huge all, all over Europe, right? So it's, it's all the rage. It's in France as much as it's in Scandinavia. A question. However... Do we know about what time it was all the rage? 580. 580? That's much later than I would have thought. Um, because I know that, you know, certainly beer has a history that stretches back. And and wine was already well cemented. In fact, this was... Uh, I mean, maybe a, a few hundred years after that was around the time distillation became like a thing you would do. Oh, really? And you could get oh, liquor. Maybe, yeah, I mean, it, it, it maybe, wasn't like a, a major product. Maybe but... 500 AD is around the death of mead. Uh-huh. My bad. Okay. Okay. But we're not there yet. Anyway. So, as far as mead and Vikings. I mean, mead is all over the place. So, of course, when... Uh, the major leaders in literature at the time, up in Scandinavia, start writing about mead, and they add mead into their legends and stuff. Oh! That's really all it is. They're leaders in literature at the time, so that's what history tells us. Oh, stupid history. Always <laughs> being written by the victors. I, it's... Um, but then... So it's really just that that's the only writing that we have, the only like real classic writing. Yeah. Huh. Weird. Um, And meanwhile, so I have a really fun fact here. Honeymoon is a word that comes from people drinking a bunch of mead for an entire month, like after they get married or before they get married, to supposedly increase fertility. Wait, for an entire month? I thought it was like, one month after you get married, you should have some mead. No, no, no. For an entire month, you start drinking. Wow. People used to have a lot more time to sit around. (laughs) Maybe I'm just too busy. I don't know. I I just couldn't. I couldn't be drunk for a month straight. That's terrible. Maybe after a hard day on the farm, you you sit down and you have some sure. every day. I mean, it's just a glass every day. Yeah, that's true. That is a fun fact. I'm very excited by I it. I don't think it actually makes you more fertile. Just just a guess. And I think mm-hmm. that yeah. it's just easier to sleep with your hideous Viking husband when you're drunk. If I could counter theory that. Okay, I'd love <laughs> to hear a counter theory. First off, pretty good chance that the lady is also hideous. People in the past, not the prettiest people. True. But that said, I really think people just like excuses to drink. Um, Fundamentally, you know, having some amount of alcohol in your system is kind of pleasant. Like, this isn't news. that It's like, you know, a, a mildly pleasant feeling. But, you know, you can't get anything done if you're drunk. And so, culturally, we're not supposed to. And this seems like a really good made-up excuse to do it. Yeah. That's my theory. No, I like it. Yeah. So, everybody, (laughs) the lesson here, everybody's ugly, but wants to get drunk. (laughs) Ah, I'm glad we, I'm glad we've cemented that. Um, But anyway, next I want to talk about why mead went away. Simple answer? Are you ready for it? Uh, now I am, yes. Okay, good. Honey's really expensive. Have you noticed this? <laughs> uh, weirdly, no, but I think I just don't buy that much honey. Well, you don't buy that much honey because you buy sugar instead, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. All right, I'm buying this. All right, so pre-pre-sugar, honey is the only thing available. Then Marco Polo comes back, 
and he brings some sugar. And sugar is so, super duper duper easy to make. It's really cheap. You make a ton of it for every sugar cane. Anyhow, so mm-hmm. you remember we were talking about that globalization that happened for wine, sort of. You know sure. what I'm saying here? Yeah. You get mm-hmm. that globalization and everybody starts to trade with each other. So everyone then has access to sugar. And everyone has access to barley. And everybody has access to grapes. Sure. If you can't trade, you can bring the bring the plant itself around and see if it grows in your uh, region. Exactly. Um, and so meanwhile, honey is way, way more expensive than all of these things because it's really expensive to make. And certainly honey is easier to ferment than all of these. But, I mean, the rest of these feedstocks just aren't that difficult. They just aren't that that much more difficult. So mead starts to become harder to find. And that's the story of how mead dies. It's too expensive. Too expensive. Well, so maybe I can can make mead, homemade mead, from, uh, from bee to glass. I think that's what a lot of people are saying, though, because... You see new meteries popping up every day now. I think it's starting to experience a bit of a renaissance. I, I believe that is because you live in the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> no way! I was this article from Boston about Mead's renaissance. Oh boy, nothing like trend pieces to convince you of things. <laughs> Could be. I don't know. I, I've been living in farmland, uh, where surprisingly, bees and honey not that big a deal. Yeah, you don't even know that we all have flying cars now. Yeah, it's weird. I've been. Boy, boy, but I I am not about to give up my donkey. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> I I would watch those meteries in the coming years. I think one of them might pull ahead. Yeah, I'll keep an eye on this. It's it's uh, fun and different. And if there's anything we like at Doom to Fail, it's that. That and poodles. Yes, they are adorable. I like all dogs. They're oh just my amazing. god, thank you, Tim. <laughs> I think uh, my favorite thing about you is the way you treat dogs because I am the exact same way. You just like melt with them and just yes. be like, let's play. <laughs> you just wave to them shamelessly. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I have done that. Hello. I do Hello. that too. I do that too. Oh my God. I saw the cutest dog earlier. It was like a giant okay. shaggy dog, like a golden want... doodle. And it was just sitting in a convertible. <sighs> like it thinks it's people, Tim. <laughs> Did it have? I wish it had a neckerchief. Did it? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Swear to God. Yes. Oh man, this is the best day. Okay, everybody, take that. Keep it in your hearts. Be happy all week with just that image. <laughs> and come back next week for oh, toy inventors. We're doing toy inventors. Good work. Yes. So come back next week for toy inventors when we will be talking about fill me in franchises and let's say you want to make a franchise like you're the next teenage mutant ninja turtles how do you do that mm-hmm. uh tune in next week to find out and you could be super rich come two weeks from now it's, <laughs> it's a week of waiting and then a week of work and then there you go now you're in malibu sitting by your pool drinking mead ah it's good and you can afford all the mead you want doesn't matter how expensive honey is colony collapse order be damned <laughs> we We'll see you next week. And until then, that's Catherine Cokert over there. And Tim Dobbs over here. And bye. 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 Bye bye. Take me home. Bye. I'm feeling bye. stressed. Put down your phone and I'll tell you what's happening next. Honey, you're passing the test. 
sees what she wants to see. Ooh, ooh. 